well regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you're with us on the program today. We're going to be spending some time with my friend Ryan Petty here in just a couple of minutes. You know, Ryan, not only a contributor to Bearing Arms, uh, a Second Amendment advocate, a school safety activist, uh, but also a member of the Florida Board of Education. And, you know, yesterday being the anniversary of the shootings at Robb Elementary in Uvalde, we uh, spoke about the uh, column by Tom Rogers at Newsweek. The only way to stop these things is to confiscate, ban and confiscate AR-15s. Well, the last time that Ryan was on the show, he talked about how dozens Dozens of plotted attacks on schools in Florida have been stopped over the past few years, not by confiscating commonly owned firearms, but again, by ensuring that there are uh, proper safeguards at school. uh, And there are also tools available to uh, get individuals both the help that they need and resources within the criminal justice system, if need be. uh, To stop these attacks before they're carried out. Now, Florida is actually expanding on these efforts. As part of the permitless carry legislation that was passed earlier this year, there is a strong school safety component. We're going to be getting into the details of that piece of the permitless carry bill with Ryan here in just a moment. Before we do, however, you know, when you make choices about where to put your hard-earned dollars, you're supporting not only the company that made the product, but the values and the principles of that organization, right? It's easier to flip a switch against a company when they blatantly conflict with their values. I mean, we all have seen what's going on with Bud Light and now Target. Uh, But do you make an effort to do business with the companies that support what you believe when you can? Well, do yourself a favor and give my friends at Defender Ammunition a shot. These guys are veteran-owned and operated. Every person on their staff is military-connected. They are huge supporters of our military community, backing causes that are actually making a difference in the lives of those who've served. In fact, the profits from all of their logoed gear goes directly to the charities that they back. I am proud to support this company. Their ammo is top-notch. Their customer service is incredible. One of their shipping department actually writes handwritten thank you notes to their customers. Give Defender Ammunition a try. They've thrown us a promo code to use through the end of this month. So you've got just a few days left here. That code is Bearing Arms. Yep, just like it sounds, B-E-A-R-I-N-G-A-R-M-S. And it is good for 5% off of your order. Trust me, once you give these guys a try, you won't be going anywhere else. Check them out at DefenderAmmunition.com. So let's start our conversation with uh, Ryan Petty, because I'm very curious to know what is taking place in Florida that has uh, stopped dozens, and that's Ryan's word, not mine, dozens of planned attacks on schools in the state without, again, trying to uh, ban and confiscate our way to safety. Because what Florida's doing seems to be paying off. And uh, unlike what Tom Rogers asserts, no need for a gun ban to do it. Take a look and a listen. Ryan, thanks so much for coming back on the show, man. It's good to see you again. It's great to see you, Cam. Thanks for the invitation. Always a pleasure to be here. Well, listen, I mean, with yesterday being the anniversary of the shootings in Uvalde, um, you know, we have seen no shortage of people uh, saying that the only way to stop these types of attacks is through gun control, right? We've got to ban AR-15s. We've got to raise the age to uh, to purchase And, you know, you and I have talked before on camera about some of the things that Florida has done over the past few years since Parkland to to prevent these types of attacks. Um, But as you and I were talking off air earlier this week, you know, you said there there are some major components to the permitless carry bill 
that actually are all about school safety. And those really haven't gotten nearly as much attention as much as the permitless carry portion of this legislation. So I wanted to talk about what else Florida is doing here to keep kids safe at school without trying to uh, make Floridians defenseless and unable to protect themselves at home and in public. Yeah, you know, I'm really proud of what we've done here in Florida. Now, again, there have been some things that uh, you and I have discussed uh, on, you know, you know, previous uh, shows where, you know, we've talked about the Florida's red flag law. We've talked about the age uh, to purchase a long gun was raised here in Florida, and that's that's been uh, tied up in court, and we'll see where that ultimately ends up. But um, on on a positive note, most of what we did probably 95% of what we did to protect schools after Parkland had nothing to do with infringing on the second amendment or rights of, you know, of law abiding citizens, law abiding gun owners. And so one of those things that we did that has proven incredibly helpful is we knew that most of these school attacks, and for that matter, these attacks that happen in our, you know, in shopping malls and in our communities. And um, there's this, principle called leakage, right? Where these attackers share their their uh, plans for attack or the threat that they want to make against a, a school or or public place. They share that with somebody. And when we know that they're um, planning an attack, we can prevent that. And we, we do that through a process called behavioral threat assessment and management. And that's the process we've been using in Florida. We take, we take threats very seriously. If you make a threat against a school, in Florida, you're going to receive a law uh, visit from law enforcement, and you're you'll likely be charged. Um, and we take it very seriously. So those tips come in. Law enforcement investigates those, um, and and that's called behavioral threat assessment and management. It's the way that the Secret Service protects the president. What we've done here in Florida just recently, and yesterday I was had the uh, the privilege of uh, sitting in uh, and voting for rule changes at the Florida Department of Education, which will impact our schools across the state of Florida. 2.8 million students will uh, will now benefit from the changes we're making to our behavioral threat assessment and management process here in Florida to better align with the way the Secret Service operates and to better align to give us the scalability we need here in Florida to be able to to train our own trainers and get this process implemented better than we have been doing across the state of Florida. Without a doubt, we have prevented school attacks. Would they have been at the level of Parkland? We don't know because they were prevented. And that's that's the good thing. We were catching these uh, threats early. We're intervening before they can happen. And, and we're keeping kids and teachers and staff members safe at Florida schools. So I'm really excited about what we're what we're implementing here. Is Florida unique in doing this at the state level and in, in terms of putting these, you know, uh, behavioral threat assessment uh, uh, teams and trainers in place in these schools? No, you know, there are other states that are doing this. Texas is doing it. Uh, I, I believe, you know, Indiana has that program. Virginia has a program. There's several states doing it. I, I think we're doing it better or more cohesively if I can you know if I can brag a little bit about Florida mm-hmm. we're, we've taken this really seriously and one of the challenges in implementing something like behavioral threat management is 
You've got groups that say, hey, look, this is going to, you know, we don't want more law enforcement in our schools because this is going to take uh, vulnerable kids and put them on this, uh, this so-called school to prison pipeline, which has absolutely been disproven. And, I, I, you know, it frustrates me that we are even arguing about this anymore. But um, the fact that we're getting our educational institutions cooperating across disciplines. So we've got mental health specialists, you know, in schools that can help. We have um, our, our school administrators are trained on this. Law enforcement's trained on this. In fact, we even have some of our law enforcement agencies using behavioral threat management model to, to as another tool that doesn't require um, infringements on our civil rights to make sure that somebody that's a threat to themselves or others can get the treatment and help that they need. That's ultimately the way we solve uh, these problems. It, it's not infringing on the rights of law-abiding gun owners. So I think we're doing it better. And with the changes we made yesterday and the and the this new bill that was passed by the legislature earlier this year and signed by the governor, um, I think we're going to take it yet to the next level. So, so what do you say to people um, who, who say, "Well, Ryan, I mean, okay, fine. This isn't the school to prison pipeline, um, but, but, but this is like Minority Report, you know, pre-crime <laughs> stuff, right? Uh, I, I'm concerned about surveillance. I'm concerned about uh, my kid getting labeled as a threat um, when they're really not. Um, you know, are, are there are, are there safeguards in place to ensure that uh, we're not just simply, you know, mass surveilling?" 2.8 million students looking for for anything that that might possibly be construed as a threat. Yeah, no, 100% uh, understand the concern. And, you know, this is where where because we're because we're trying to intervene early. We don't necessarily want it to get to that threat level we want to we want to fight you know, look let's say there's a student that's struggling maybe there's something going maybe they're being bullied or there's something else going on in their lives or there's something else happening at home that's causing causing an issue if we can identify that early we've got a lot of options at that point to bring in you know bring in services or engage with their parents likely is really what we want to do engage with their parents and get that student the help uh, that that they need before they choose uh, violence as an option right so they so the whole goal of this is to try to try to get somebody that might go down the pathway to violence off of that pathway and there's lots of other benefits in doing this so we've you know we can uh, we can help solve bullying in schools with this and we can also you know our teachers are so frustrated because there's such a lack of discipline in our schools at this point what we've done here in florida has made it very clear that we are going to make sure that our teachers are able to teach and our classrooms are safe and students feel safe in those classrooms. And so that that's the only way learning can can actually happen. You know, if kids don't feel safe, they're not going to be able to teach. And and quite frankly, if teachers don't feel safe in the classroom um, and we learned, you know, right after Parkland, you know, over 50 percent of the teachers in the county of Broward County, where Parkland is, didn't feel safe. And that was a union. That wasn't, you know, that was a union survey where they they went out to their members and said, do you feel safe? And it was 59% of teachers didn't feel safe in their classroom. Well, how can learning happen in that environment? So our goal is to get this long before it becomes a threat, long before it becomes an issue of juvenile justice or 
or criminal justice. And quite frankly, my response to these school to prison pipeline folks is when there are no consequences for for criminal activity in our schools. And quite frankly, there's a lot of criminal activity going on in our schools. When there are no consequences, the juveniles learn that there are no consequences. And then as adults, because they haven't learned that there are consequences, they commit crimes. And that is in fact, the school to prison pipeline, in my mind, mm-hmm. not teaching our youth that there are consequences for bad behavior and that we have to address it and deal with it. So. With all of that said, you know, divert, get these kids off of that pathway to violence early through intervention programs and and treating the cause of why they feel the need uh, to to seek violence as a solution. And but let me be clear, <laughs> as uh, as our good friend President Obama used to say, let me be clear: if you make a threat against a school in Florida, it will be taken seriously, and there will be consequences. Uh, you know, w- w- just one question here, because we've been talking a lot about, uh, you know, these targeted attacks on schools. I- is this also something that's being used to when there's not necessarily a threat of external violence, but maybe, you know, the possibility of self-harm? Um, I- is that also a part of this threat assessment? It, it is. And, and, the, and the great thing about this is that it can be applied, uh, unlike gun control which does not solve uh, the problems that the gun control advocates um, like to make, because they like to lump everything together, right? They like to lump suicide and, and uh, gang violence and, and, you know, these random targeted attacks like a school shooting. They like to lump all those things together and try to find the, the, to them, the common solution is gun control. Right. It's nothing could be further from the truth. These all, these problems all have different sources. And so you have to treat them differently. But in early intervention, early identification and intervention is the is the common thread. That's where we can identify, hey, well, there's something going wrong in your life. Let's deal with what that issue is and get those folks services. What I hope we can do, and again, you and I have talked a lot about, for example, red flag laws, right? And I have due process concerns about red flag laws and, I, and they're growing concerns. And let me put it, let me just say that I've got growing concerns about this, but in the even in the best case, most states don't deal with the underlying causes yep. of why the law enforcement officers are out there, why the criminal justice system is now involved in confiscating firearms. They're not dealing with the underlying problem. And with behavioral threat management, this this model that we're we're using in Florida, the underlying issues get addressed. And I I hope that we can get to a point where we don't need to red flag, right? Because we're dealing with the underlying issues. And quite frankly, when we do that, we don't need to confiscate your firearms. We don't need to violate due process in, in doing any of that. We can work with the person, understand what's going wrong in their life and get them the help they need. And law enforcement in Florida is being trained on this. They call it crisis intervention. And so we bring we bring uh, crisis intervention to train law enforcement to these, uh, uh, you know, to these um, incidents and then we get them the help they need. And it's a boy, it's a game changer uh, for everyone, but it's really a different way of doing law enforcement And it. It's going to take time. It's a culture shift for law enforcement. 
Yeah, but again, I mean, it, it, it seems to be paying, you know, real dividends here. Um, and and like you say, contrary to those who say, well, this just promotes a school to prison pipeline. seems like it actually does the opposite. Seems like, again, rather than saying, all right, well, the, the response always has to be the criminal justice system, but we always have to wait until the crime has been committed. We can only deal with these individuals after the fact that, again, this is an opportunity to intervene. Uh, and to get, you know, these uh, troubled kids the help that they need. In some cases, again, that might be in the criminal justice system, but ideally that's not the case. I'm, I'm curious, one last question for you, Ryan, because, you know, we're talking about these kids who have exhibited signs, right? Um, mm-hmm. or, or maybe, again, they've, they've, you know, talked about their their plans to carry out an attack. I've been thinking a lot about just the general stress that kids are feeling these days. And it is, you know, clear. I mean, youth suicide rates have, you know, increased over the past few years. Youth overdose rates have increased over the past few years. I I, I don't know the answer to this, but I'm just curious to get your take on, do you think we need to be doing more, just generally speaking with our kids? And maybe it doesn't come from government. Maybe it's parents, maybe it's churches, but, but maybe it's a combination of the two. But teaching our kids how to be more resilient to the stressors that inevitably will happen in our lives. Um, is that something that you think might be of benefit going forward? A hundred percent. And, you know, our first lady, Casey DeSantis, has put together a resiliency program. In fact, she uses that term and it is being implemented in Florida schools uh, as we speak. And what it does is we, we use the same techniques basically for these uh, behavioral threat management model. We, we, identify kids that are that are having these challenges and we we bring in community leaders and parents right one of the concerns a lot of parents have is how you know i don't want a mental health counselor talking with my child without my permission or without my knowledge right mm-hmm. so we we make sure we involve the parents in all of this and that's i think another unique feature of what we're doing here in florida but this resilient resiliency initiative it's designed to teach these kids, look, life is full of challenges. Life is not going to be easy. There will be things you have to overcome. And here's a toolkit for how to do that. And here's some resources that can help you. And here are mentors that can gu- help guide you through some of these challenges. And here are parents that are willing to volunteer their time and experience to come in and, and and help in these situations. And so we're trying to address it that way. I'm I'm excited to see what we do, but so much of what we ask government to do at this point is is really a challenge, Cam. And um we've got the breakdown of society and societal values and norms. And we've got uh, boy, we've been experiencing the destruction of the family over the last several generations. Mm-hmm. These are things that people now want government to solve, right? Right. Government can solve. And I fundamentally, I'm, I'm, um, I'm fundament, fundamentally skeptical that government can solve some of these things. But I am pleased to see an initiative like uh, Ms. DeSantis has put together in here in Florida, where we are, we are acknowledging that there are issues but we're bringing community resources in and we're not just loading our schools with yet one more thing to try to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I listen, I agree with you. I, I think that, you know, as a conservative, I've never really believed that government is the answer to our problems. Um, there are certain services that, you know, we do expect government to do, but uh, to be our nanny uh, is not one of them. And so, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that, but at the same time, 
Um, there are going to be those kids who fall through the cracks, right? The kids who don't have that stable family environment, the kids who aren't learning these things. And so having those resources, I think, really is an important tool. It doesn't absolve us as parents, doesn't absolve us even as just members of a community to do what we can to help pass these lessons of resilience on. But uh, again, I'm really glad to hear about that. I had no idea that Casey DeSantis was doing this, but uh, it's been weighing on my mind a lot. So I'm really glad to hear that uh, that, that project is underway. And, and hopefully, again, it will pay benefits. Uh, Ryan, listen, man, I, again, I always enjoy spending some time with you. I, I cannot thank you enough for uh, all of your activism and your advocacy, uh, as well as your contributions to BearingArms.com, by the way. So uh, so thank you again for everything. And I, uh, I look forward to continuing this conversation very soon, man. Well, thank you, Cam. It's always a pleasure to be here. And um, look, we we have to defend our rights. But there are there are things that we can do to help those that are that that are um, struggling or or wanting to to commit violent acts. There are things that we can do that don't require us to infringe on the rights of law-abiding gun owners. And I'm I'm going to keep looking for those solutions and doing my part to try to get those implemented. Well, listen, man, we really appreciate everything you do. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, talking again very soon. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. Well, I appreciate Ryan joining us on the program. And I am looking forward to uh, continuing the conversation with him in the very near future. Uh, before we get to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day and our recidivist report, I know you guys have definitely noticed the U.S. dollar continues to buy less, right? Last year, the average IRA and 401k balance fell by more than 20%. If we've learned anything from the past few years, it's that anything can and will happen. Well, here's something that may help, a gold IRA. Gold may be a great option for you. That's right, physical gold in your IRA. Many central banks are buying tons right now, so what does that tell you? Augusta Precious Metals is a gold IRA company that offers its customers the opportunity to invest in gold. You can call Augusta Precious Metals and learn how a gold IRA can help you. If you've saved 100000 or more for retirement, call Augusta Precious Metals and get their free ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Tell them you heard it on our show, and they'll give you a free gold coin when you open up a gold IRA. Contact Augusta Precious Metals and diversify your retirement today. Call 855-222-4997. That's 855-222-4997. Again, Augusta Precious Metals at 855-222-4997. All right, so today's deal of the day, I got to tell you, the recidivist report, this is such an unbelievable story out of Washington, D.C. Uh, kudos to Nathan Bach of WUSA in D.C. for actually uncovering uh, the uh, the details here behind this woman, uh, Nikita Marie Walker, who is now accused of murder after a uh, drunk driving crash in March of this year. Um, she apparently was on probation for DUI at the time of this crash, a, a DUI that she received in 2020. But as Baca found out, that 2020 DUI was not her first run with the law. She also had DUIs in 2018. And in 2015, and in every one of those cases, she was placed on probation. First offense, second offense, third offense, 12 months probation in lieu of incarceration every single time. What makes matters even worse is that Walker in 2015 was found guilty of attacking three different women with a knife. Uh, one woman sustained a, a, a severe cut apparently to uh, her hand, another to her face, uh, another woman to her forehead. She was found guilty in uh, June of 2015 and sentenced to 18 months probation in that case. Yeah, 
So violent crime, get probation. DUI, get probation. Get probation while you're on probation for a violent crime, get probation. I mean, this is absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Muriel Bowser, the D.C. mayor, spoke to a WUSA about this and said, well, you know, listen, whatever gaps there are, we'll fill them. Uh, I think this sounds like a technology solution and a fix that could potentially make us safer on the roads. Uh, listen, I think the solution is staring the mayor right in the face. You need a functional criminal justice system. You know, in Washington, D.C., the vast majority of, uh, uh, you know, small cases like DUI, this is the result. I'm not sure what it takes, actually, to put an offender behind bars in Washington, D.C. these days, other than perhaps being, you know, an outspoken conservative. But uh, in this case, again, a repeat offender, time and time again, caught behind the wheel of the car to inebriated to drive, and the consequences, well, there were no consequences. And now Walker, again, facing murder charges for this most recent accident in March of this year, in which three people were killed on Rock Creek Parkway. And while, according to authorities, she was the one behind the wheel, and that would mean that she ultimately bears the culpability for that crash. If prosecutors are right, and she's responsible, I would say she was aided and abetted by the criminal justice system in Washington, D.C., and their catch-and-release policies when it comes to repeat offenders like this. Now, today's armed citizen story from Marietta, Georgia, where a 28-year-old uh, was shot and killed, and one of his alleged compatriots wounded in an attempted uh, home invasion. 28-year-old Anthony Jones, along with two other people, tried to break into a home in Woodstock, Georgia. Uh, Michael, uh, excuse me, uh, two of the uh, homeowners there, two of the residents inside the home, fired at the uh, three men in self-defense. Jones was hit in the torso multiple times. Police responded to the scene just after 8.30 p.m. on May the 20th. They found uh, Jones deceased at that point. 20-year-old Darius Butler, another one of the uh, robbers there, also uh, suffered injuries during the exchange. He's now been charged with armed robbery aggravated assault and murder, the uh, residents of the home uh, not facing any charges. And uh, looks like it's going to stay that way. It looks like a pretty clear-cut case of self-defense. But we'll keep our eyes open for any more details as they become available. Uh, finally today, our good deed of the day from Lewis County, Tennessee, where a, a trustee at the county workhouse was in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. He was at a, a waste transfer station helping residents uh, unload trash from their cars. And uh, this elderly woman gets out with her trash in hand and falls down. Now, anytime an elderly person falls down, I mean, that, that can be pretty serious in and of itself. But the, to make matters worse here, the, uh, the vehicle that she was in, I guess maybe she thought she put it in a park as she was getting out, but it got stuck in reverse. So when she fell out of the car, the car starts rolling backwards. She's about to get run over. She's screaming for help. And Brett King jumps into the moving vehicle, slams on the brakes, puts the car in park, uh, and stops the uh, car before the front tire can run over the poor lady. The uh, mayor of uh, Lewis County, uh, Jonah Keltner, said Brett's heroic actions and quick response helped guarantee the health and safety of the elderly woman who survived the accident and walked away with no significant injuries. So again, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, uh, Brett King there in Lewis County, Tennessee, we thank you, sir, for your very, very good deed. 
Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Just a programming note, we will be off for the Memorial Day holiday, so we'll do a Tuesday through Friday schedule next week. You're not going to miss any Cam and Companies. Uh, and we will be updating BearingArms.com throughout the holiday weekend as well, so I would encourage you to check out the website. Keep up to date on all of the latest Second Amendment news and information all across the nation. And, of course, uh, on Memorial Day weekend, I hope that you take some time to honor those who have lost their life in defense of this great nation of ours. Look forward to uh, talking with you again next Tuesday. We'll see you on the website between now and then. And uh, thank you, as always, for being a part of Bearing Arms. You know, if you want to become a VIP member, we make it really easy to do so. All you got to do, go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. And you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. Uh, in exchange, we're going to give you, and as a way of saying thanks, we're going to give you exclusive content. News stories analysis you won't find anywhere else. Because your support does matter. And it really does make a difference. So thank you again. We'll see you back here soon. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.